Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Social Justice Matters, the podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name is Suzanne Rogers and I'm Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. As those of you who tune in regularly will know, our podcasts come in three different formats. We have our interview series where we chat to experts on a really wide range of topics. We have our 10 minute lessons where that's really what we aim to do is pick up key issues on a particular topic and just discuss them very quickly, eight to 12 minutes. And then we have our seminar series where we get the chance to listen back to presentations we've had at previous events. This is from our 2021 annual social policy conference. And the theme of that conference was social rights for all time to deliver on the European social pillar. So in this particular episode, we'll be listening back to Seamus Boland speaking on the implementation of the European pillar of social rights. Seamus is CEO of Irish Rural Link and the current president of the European Economic Social Council Diversity Group number three. We hope you enjoy. Thank you very much to the organisers uh, of the Social Justice Conference on this subject. And indeed, I'm honoured to be asked to, to speak to you. I suppose what I'm looking at in terms of the excellent presentation given by Hugh, which goes through the 20 principles very well and shows and demonstrates how they can be implemented, is to say, well, can we implement them? And what sort of roadmap are we actually going to show and demonstrate that we can do it? And my approach in this paper that I've written really is to look at our history in terms of recent times, how did we approach the financial recession uh, in Europe and particularly as it affected us here in Ireland? Uh, how did we approach the pandemic crisis and how as a collective uh, in terms of people, in terms of government, and look, finally looking at the role of, of us in terms of civil society. It is well known that in civil society terms, we have been long and a long time talking about the kind of uh, illustrations of what should be a fair and just society. Organizations like Social Justice Ireland, and I would like to think Irish Rural Link, and many, many more were established to try and bring fairness and equality into our society. And it's taken a long time uh, and not withstanding the help of the EU in many cases. Uh, when you look at equal pay, when you look at a range of rights, they've really been brought in at the behest of EU first, making them as directives and then forcing us almost to bring them into our legislation. So let's, as you, as you outlined, the, the document with the 20 pillars are really and truly uh, historic. They do document very well the kind of roadmap we should have. And you would like to think that in terms of being fair and in terms of success, that we would integrate them into our economic models, because if we don't do that, uh, then they become on the virgins, on the side, and they just are implemented as a kind of afterthought. I'm, this paper is also given by me in the context of Europe and my role as Diversity Europe President. Uh, and I'm looking at the moment uh, at the role, for example, of Poland, of Hungary in particular. These two countries are not alone unlikely to implement many of the pillar of social rights, but are actually railing against them. And you could ask the question, will the EU, having produced 
this pillar of social rights? How far will it go to try and persuade member states to do so? And again, Hugh has given a very good outline of how Ireland should approach this. So when I look at Ireland, I think, well, you know, the EU said it would eradicate poverty by 2021. The fact is the numbers have remained more or less the same, 118 million still across the European Union in poverty, despite 10 years of saying that they would implement it. And the reason it didn't succeed was, quite frankly, individual member states found ways and means of not implementing the very laudable principles outlined in, in that policy document. And so we go to the financial crisis. Ireland took a very strong role in dealing with the financial crisis, best described as the austere route. And the austere route basically took into account the fact that we needed to balance our books as quickly as possible. We needed to dispense with a range of programs that might have been regarded as social. We had cuts in education, we had cuts in health, we had cuts in transport, we had cuts in a whole range of services. Yes, we managed to keep the social payments pretty much on a level as they were. We didn't reduce them. In many cases, we didn't reduce them at all. We increased them. But in a sense, we actually made it more difficult because by cutting the services, we effectively put more and more people on waiting lists. And in terms of the more poorer areas in society, this impacted on these areas quite significantly. So in a sense, by taking the austere route, we effectively abandoned things like eradicating poverty by 2021. We abandoned a whole range of European well-documented papers which said we would achieve a range of equalities. The austere route as it happens meant we congratulated ourselves on, on bringing ourselves into, I suppose, a better place financially. But the reality is we still have uh, a legacy from that austerity. And that legacy really hasn't gone away. If you look at one of the aims of the pillar of social rights, it talks about having at least 60% of adults participating in training by 2030. If you take just one segment, and let's be really economic for the moment, let's take the building industry. The fact of the matter is, we have a dearth of young people training in this industry at the moment. So much so that that has consequence in terms of finding people to work in the area of provision of housing and building in general. That is the direct result of the legacy of cutting all of the apprentice positions, all of the education positions during the economic crisis. And therefore, you have to ask yourself, was, was that the correct approach? So in a way, member states, and you could go through each member state and you would find similar examples of the way in which they managed to circumvent laudable documents, as I said, like getting rid of poverty. And when you look at the other one, like at least 78% of the population between 20 and 64 uh, should be in employment by 2030, hopefully that can still be achieved. I'm not going to be as pessimistic about that, but it is a, it's a tall order. 
uh, and a reduction of at least 15 million in the number of people at risk of poverty uh, and social exclusion by the end of the decade. Again, 15 million when you consider, this is across Europe, when you consider there's 118 million in poverty is probably uh, a very conservative approach in, in total. So in a sense, you could say that the legacy of the financial banking crisis, which hit Europe and the world, and Ireland in particular, has managed to drive a coach and four through many of the social, the progressive social documents that we have produced, which is why I'm asking the question, can we now look at how we manage the pandemic? You could argue that the pandemic was managed the complete opposite way to the financial recession. Because of the looming crisis, we decided to quickly send people back home. We created effectively a universal payment system. And if I remember, my good friend and great man in our society, Sean Healy, was talking about a universal system of income before it was even regarded as a sentence. Yet we effectively adopted a, a system of universal payments in terms of income because we needed people to stay at home, people who had to stay at home and therefore couldn't convert, couldn't, couldn't work and do their jobs. We still had to maintain them with an income, so we established a pub. So we completely did the opposite to what we did during the, the economic crisis. More than that, we managed to find the resources with the, with the help of the EU, it has to be said, to bring the vaccines to everybody, to bring a distribution system that was as equal as you can get, and to try and ensure through the uh, management of the ECB and the funding uh, mechanisms there, that Europe would not go broke, that Europe would afford this massive jolt in, in the economy that was predicted. And now we're hearing um, that in Ireland, the jolt in the economy may not have been as terrible as we thought. And I suppose, Chair, what I would ask you to think about, remember again, at the beginning of the recession, when we were told that if we didn't do these austere measures, we would be in a very, very bad place by now. That was not said at the beginning of the pandemic, because frankly, we needed to act in the pandemic. And the last thing we needed was people out of work with no income. So we had to find a different approach. And that's my question. If we're talking about the implementation of the pillar of social rights, are we actually seriously going to adopt a different approach? We cannot implement the pillar of social rights, unless we do so by including them in our economic models. We cannot therefore uh, have a hope of achieving any of the aims unless the money is there to make them happen. That means the investment in education. It means the investment in health. It means the investment in a whole range of well-being. Uh, that includes the likes of mental health services. That includes a range of programs that seem to be always kept outside of, let's call it, the, the rather narrow parameters of improving the economy first and hoping all boats will be lifted. So I would say in conclusion, it's necessary to note that despite the action plan's promises that the pillar of social rights would be delivered, 
The facts demonstrate that we have in Europe around 20% below the poverty line. So we, we have got to achieve that. Hugh talked about the uh, reliance on Europe to deliver. I hope we can. But looking at the challenges within the EU, particularly from Poland and, and Hungary and other countries, I should say, uh, this will be extremely difficult. And if you look at the way we deliver international agreement, we somehow manage uh, to get derogations. I said in my paper that in Ireland, the most famous derogation was the famous uh, Pete and, and Boglands derogation that we got for 10 years. We never should have got that in truth. And we paid a huge price for it in the end because we still had to implement it, but we lost 10 years of conservation. That's just an example of even Ireland, as Hugh said, a better country than most at managing European directives. And still we, we do pull very slow. And even when I look at the government's own report on this, there is an emphasis on how the social pillar of, right, pillar of rights uh, links to uh, the economics rather than the social system. I suppose what I'm saying is this, to be successful, it needs to be embedded in the wider macroeconomic policy. It needs to include in a real way, all relevant civil society organizations. We as a uh, as community and voluntary pillar, which I'm part of and so is Social Justice Ireland along with 15 others, we were part of an experiment for about 15 years in social partnership. That needs to return because the civil society organizations who worked so well during the pandemic and who continue to be at the cold face have proposed many solutions in the past and have solutions in the future. And they need to be taken into account if you're going to deliver this. The pillar of social rights in European terms I have a fear that it has lost steam because the emphasis is on, rightly so, climate change. Hugh mentioned the first principle of, of the SDGs, which is, the, which is poverty. We seem to forget in the 17 SDGs that poverty should be part of it. And I have to say, looking at the COP deliberations, the COP26 deliberations, I didn't see much talk about the, the, the management of poverty and its eradication. So finally, let me say this, Chair, if we are going to have a delivery of this pillar of social rights, we need our government, the economic interests and the community and voluntary sector involved. We need proper proposals on the table and probably we need a cabinet minister to deliver it. Otherwise, it'll be one of these, I'm afraid, uh, ideas that was really good, brilliant, like the eradication of poverty by 2021. It just didn't happen. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it useful, got something out of it. If you have any ideas for conversations or topics that you'd like us to cover, please feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie with your ideas and thoughts. Until next time, stay safe.